this morning. I want to invite somebody up this morning. Christina, come up here. We have a mic for her. Do we have, can we give her a mic? I just want Christina to talk to you guys today. She has something on her heart that I really feel uh, just needs to be shared with our church today. Good morning, everyone. So um, my husband is on a plane right now to South Carolina for the week. So pray for me, first of all. That's going to be rough. But I didn't know it was going to be so rough right off the bat. 
um, he left and I was bringing one of my children here to help teach and I dropped him off and my car started to putter along and my car is dying and I'm like okay well I'm gonna go to the gas station and it then it just really dies and um, there's cars behind me I'm nervous I'm freaking out honestly and I just came back from the if retreat and uh, yeah so that was amazing right and how do you how many of you know that it's easy to worship God when there's no distractions there's nothing to pull your attention away there's great teachers on the screen and you're listening and you're soaking everything in and um, it's just so easy to be in that moment with God and then real life happens we leave the retreat we go back to our families. We're happy to be home. And then it's like, what did you learn while you were there? And are you going to apply it into your everyday life? So as I'm freaking out, there were some choice words. I'm just an honest person. So I'm just going to let you know that now. And I'm calling my husband. I'm crying. I'm freaking out and saying, you're not here to help me. I don't know what to do in this situation. And he's getting our mechanic friend on the line. Thank you, Kyle. And um but what came to mind as I'm having this really honest conversation with God and pleading with God, God, I need to know you're here because it feels like you're not. And I feel like I'm alone and I just, I need your presence. Well, what I learned in that retreat was, um, it was worshiping during warfare. So praising in those dark times, praising when you don't want to, praising when you feel like I have nothing to give and I feel fake. I feel fake if I praise right now because it's not in me. But you know what? It's in your spirit. Your spirit knows and your spirit longs to be with God. Your spirit longs to be with Jesus. So that's exactly what I did. I worshiped during warfare. And I said, all right, I won't let this distract me. I won't let this be an indication of how my week is going to be. And I'm just going to worship God. So I put on some music and the song was perfect for me. It was about building my faith and God, give me that faith. And, and I started, I was listening to the words and then I started to sing. And so I want to challenge you today to worship during those dark times, worshiping during those nice times, when it's good, when it's bad, when it feels like you have nothing to give, when you feel fake doing it, just worship. Your spirit longs for it. So I want to challenge each and every one of you today as Jen and the worship team begins to sing worship music to just worship. Worship God with everything in you. Everything in you. Don't just bring half-hearted worship. Don't just worship because you don't feel it or you feel fake or whatever. Set those fillers aside because your feelings will lie to you. And just worship with everything in you. Church, let's sing this together today. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. And we live for you. We live for you. I sing holy. 
Come on, let's sing this today. Sing. The atmosphere is changing now. That's right, lift your voice, church. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Mm. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. Come on, sing that again, sing that again. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit.
on, sing a miracle. A miracle can happen. That's right. Anything can happen where the Spirit of God is present. Anything is possible in the presence of God. Church, one last time, lift your voice, sing it out. A miracle can happen now. We believe in God. The Spirit of the Lord is The evidence is all around. For the Spirit of the Lord is church do you believe that today come on give God a praise today God we believe you God you can do anything miracles happen in your presence today God amen amen you guys can be seated this morning how's everyone doing welcome to Hill City Church and uh, man it's true Uh, we believe in miracles here we don't believe in a passive fake God amen We believe in a real living God. And a few announcements as we continue forward uh, in the service. Good to see all your beautiful faces. Um, We have Desperation Conference coming up in right around the corner in July. You're like, that's not right around the corner. That's a while. Um, But uh, we call it Despo here. Despo 2018 is coming up, and that's a a youth conference. Let me get out of the way here. That's a youth conference for our, our students. Um, and that is, I believe I got this right, if Tino left or Mo, but it's July 10th through the 12th, and it's down in Colorado Springs at New Life, uh, New Life Church down there. So it's a huge conference, and our kids are starting to raise money, so that's why I'm bringing it up. So um, if you don't give to your kids, uh, you should feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> we, this is one of the most profound and, and, uh, and, and turning points for kids, and I've said this before. Uh, my wife was, didn't grow up a Christian, and she was... She was saved at a youth conference, at a youth camp. So for her, it's like, it's big time, right? For me too. So that can be a really big things for kids. So we invest in them. Uh, just so you guys know, the church, we already fronted the money in a lot of ways for the early birds, uh, early, <laughs> early bird special. Uh, the early bird, right? Uh, my stepdad likes early bird specials. So get in early, get your money. So we actually fronted a lot of the money. Um, uh, so that we could uh, get uh, take advantage of that that lower cost. Uh, that said, the students are still going to be raising with them the things they do and and the parents and and, uh, and this family uh, giving to them. So a quick plug for that, and they're, they're starting to raise money. Um, next thing, say Easter. I'm sure, everyone knows what Easter is. All right, it's kind of the Super Bowl of the Christian faith. Uh, so in two weeks, we're going to have our Easter service here. Uh, so uh, thank you for having a beautiful slide. You guys are awesome. So nine and ten thirty. Say nine and ten thirty. It's our first time ever. Can I get an amen? So we are gonna we are gonna successfully launch our first. Uh, we're not saying we're doing this uh, uh, into perpetuity or, or ongoing, um, but we are going to. If you guys remember last year, we had uh, like 500 people in here, and uh, we almost violated the fire code. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we did run out of chairs and everything, so we're hoping for the same. Um, and so, um, you know, it's just part of a Sunday service for us. Uh, Hill City Church is much bigger than just a Sunday morning. Amen. But we know that this is a big, 
This is a big day for many folks, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna set up two services on that Sunday at nine and ten thirty. Um, you can come to either, come to both, um, but uh, we're gonna uh, uh, we're gonna do it right. So uh, that said, uh, we have a great team in place that's going to be uh, setting this up. But if you are interested in helping, I know my wife uh, Megan, who uh, is the director of our Hill City Kids uh, team, uh, they'll definitely need some folks there. And then, is it fair to come uh, talk to Candace too, if you guys are uh, interested or if you're gonna be here? Uh, we we always need another hand because we're going to do church. We're not doing the huge Easter egg thing, uh, but we are going to have um, some eggs. We are going to do some of that, some of that, uh, some of that uh, um, event, uh, but it's not going to be quite as what we've done in the past. But we're still, we still need a lot of people. Uh, if this is your home, if you serve here, please come. Amen. Um, and uh, I think I'll move on from that. I don't think I miss anything. Uh, last thing I want to say is, man, we had a, a special, I'd love a, a lady could present this, but, uh, but I'll do my best. Uh, we had our ladies conference this weekend, the IF conference. And, um, all right, not that loud. No. <laughs> I just, I told the team this morning, I'm so proud of, of the women who participated in that. We set a goal of 50 and we hit 50, uh, 50 women. And, uh, and I won't go into all the details. Uh, my, my, my challenge, and this isn't just for the IF conference, is, is to take those moments. Those are moments of, repl- of refreshing, of, re- of replenishment, of teaching, of, of all those things, right? I wasn't there, but, uh, but I heard it was amazing. And all the girls are like, oh, I'm so good. And we're, the guys who are like watching their kids are like, thank God you're home. Um, at least that was me. But, um, but uh, <laughs> um, I did feel good. My youngest said, Dad, I, I don't, Mom doesn't have to come home yet. I like being with you. Like, <laughs> it's because I took them to Target and bought them toys. Or they just really like me, one or the other. Um, but... I, I, I coached my son's basketball team, and uh, or sorry, I used to coach, and now I'm watching him and still coaching him. Uh, but DJ's on the same team, so Randy and I get to spend a lot of time together. But my son is really good in the backyard. Like Michael Jordan, not quite, but he's up there, right? He's good. He's physical. He's assertive. He runs over my wife, like literally takes her out. He's so physical. And then he gets on the court, and what happens? Right? Passive. Like, oh, you can have the ball. And, and it is like, if you know me, I'm a very competitive person. So it is like restraint in my life to watch this. And my, my mom's sitting there, she's like, it's okay, honey, it's okay. I'm like, no. But John and I yell when we go to these games now. We're the loudest, and it's really obnoxious, actually. we got to work on it. But my point in this is, man, I, told, I was yelling at Everett the other day in the game. All I said was, backyard ball, backyard ball. And he knows, he knows what that meant. He knows, like, hey, the, the, the practice is one thing, right, the preseason, but can you apply that in your life? And, man, I just want to say for the IF conference, for a Sunday morning at Hill City Church, I don't want this just to be just the backyard and we get in real life and it's gone. We don't want a Sunday to, to Monday divide in our Christianity, if you get what I'm saying. Sunday comes, we're good, we ask for miracles, and then Monday comes, and then what? It was like what Christina was saying. Thank you so much, Christina. I don't know where you went, but there you are. Thank you. But right? Just last night, amazing, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, how quickly it can fall apart. And so I just want to challenge the ladies in here, man, all those beautiful, precious things you learned, man, let those, let those persist. Water them. Let them grow. Don't let them shrink. Certainly, you're not going to have every day where you're away from your kids, so, you know, that's, now you're back to the kids, and I'm sure you all love it, but... The, that that just that rhythm of life, man. I want to. I want us to be just to to have that moment in your life where you say, "Man, 
take that backyard, take that sa- that Saturday night at an IF conference, take that Sunday morning experience and have that transcendence and just persist through your whole life. Are you guys with me? Uh, I'm not trying to preach here. I'm sorry, John. But I just want us, man. Let those let those mountains be good, but let those let them let them uh, let them persist. Like I said, so I'm gonna uh, have the guys come forward, and uh, we're gonna continue in our giving, and I'm gonna give give Pastor John the mic, and we're gonna pray. So God, I thank you for this morning. Just pray with me, church. God, thank you for the amazing worship, for the for the for the stage and the setting and the good sound and the and so much work that this team puts into God. And we just do our part in worshiping you with our whole soul, our spirit, our mind, God. We engage right now, and we put ourselves in a, maybe a different, different paradigm right now, God, to take in your word, that we'd absorb it, God. And more importantly, God, that we'd apply it to our lives this week. We love you. I pray for Pastor John. I pray for his words, that he would speak fluidly, God, and we'd be open to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I'm going to try that again. Good morning. I just want to welcome the guests. Thanks for being here, and uh, just thank you for joining us today. It is our, our privilege to have you, and, uh, and we can truly say that we pray that you are here. We prayed for you, and uh, just, just really excited. We are continuing in this series, and it's called Follow Me, and what the series is about is the last few days that Jesus was uh, right before the cross, so that's what we're facing today, and, and Jesus makes an offer to all of us today us included, then back then and all of us today. So if you're in this room, I want you to hear that Jesus is making an offer towards you. And, and he says this, and, and he says, if anyone wants to live this life to the fullest, I have a way of living that would fulfill your heart and come after me and let him deny themselves, take up his cross and follow me daily. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. This is a strong word. I love the way Eugene Peterson breaks this down. He says this, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Who likes to lead here, right? Some people just are natural, like, I need to do it my way, right? And, 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 and th- that's how we are made. But Jesus is saying, I, you have to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. This is hard. Embrace it. This is not never really taught. But he says, Jesus says, don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. And I feel like this is how God speaks to me. This is how I, I believe Jesus is saying to me today, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Try me. Try me. Watch what happens. I can handle you. I can handle your past. I can handle your problems. I can handle your sin. I can handle you. If you would just trust me and fully rely on me, let me take the lead. I will take full responsibility for the outcome of your life. That is a very strong statement because we're like, oh, I'm going to take responsibility. And then we're like, I don't like what's going on. And then Jesus is telling us, if you would just let me take the lead, I would take full responsibility for your life. And with that in mind, I want you to go to John 13. All right? Go in the Bible's John 13. It's found in the New Testament. It's the fourth book, the last of the Gospels. And today's message is uh, titled Dirty Jobs. Dirty Jobs. Anyone ever watch Dirty Jobs? Yeah, it's a cool show where he, it's, everything's like as nasty as it can be. You're, I used to watch it and I'm like, oh man, look at this guy. Yeah. 
His name is Mike Rowe, right? And he, it's on the Discovery Channel, Dirty Jobs. It's a TV series. And what he does, he goes and goes to the most difficult, nasty, dirty, like strange jobs. And, 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 and I've seen him as a, a charcoal maker, an animal skull cleaner. I watched a couple of these on YouTube. I was like, that one was interesting, right? Uh, e, a slime eel processor. That was, a, that was very disgusting. And, and then he said the worst one was a sewage pump cleaner where you fix and clean sewage pumps. Pretty awesome, right? There's a lot of strange jobs out there. And I, I know in a room like this, we have had strange jobs. Some of you guys have had or have strange jobs. I remember in high school, I used to work at a uh, fish market uh, called Sakai Fish Market. It's, it was in Japantown, San Francisco. I would take the uh, every, uh, on Sunday mornings, I would wake up at 4 o'clock because they paid a lot more money. It was like, so when you're in high school and they pay 30 bucks an hour, you're in, right? They're like, 30 bucks an hour, I'm in. I'm showing up. So on Sunday mornings, I'd wake up at 4 in the morning, take the J train, and then take the 38 Gary down to Japantown. We'd get off and I'd throw fish in the morning. Right, And then in high school, like, God changed my life, so I started going to church. And I would be, just imagine the stinky Korean guy sitting next to you that smelled like live fish. That was every week for somebody. That was the reality of someone, like, every week. And looking back, I'm like, oh, that's really funny. So they, they never really, no one ever said to me, you smell like fish. But obviously, I smelled like fish. No one on the bus would ever sit next to my brother and I, ever. We'd sit there, and people would move because we stunk, right? So we did this together. But we've all had this. Many of us have faced strange jobs. Uh, Candace and I, while we were in Mississippi, I won't discuss what exactly we had. We had a very strange job on the ranch. We got to work on the ranch with bulls and, and vets, and they do strange things. I'll go just as that far, right? And I was like, oh, you got to do that. That is most disgusting thing I've ever seen, right? And my kids, they had to, they saw it and they're like, <laughs> they're in shock of what they do to bulls to make sure that they're not sterile, right? So I was like, oh, fantastic. But we've, uh, we've been a part of some strange jobs. And many of you in this room have had strange jobs and maybe a, a, a dirty job. And I'm sure many of you guys have stories to tell of really gross things that have happened. But Jesus, too, have experienced a very dirty job. And that's in John 13. I'm going to read you this verse, and then we're going to run right into it. It says in John 13, verse 1, it was just before Passover. So this is the Passover festival. This is a celebration of freedom for the Jewish people from Egypt. So they were celebrating this day of Passover. And it says, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Listen, Jesus knew it was time. It was time. He knew that he would give his life on the cross. Can you imagine the emotion that he was facing that day as he was thinking about what's happening tomorrow? What would you do, right? We sing songs, live like you were dying, right? And, and we, but what if you really knew it was your last moment before you faced the cross? How would you respond? How would you respond? I, I would probably get my things in order and bring the people closest to me. And that's what Jesus did. 
He started to get all his things in order, his life in order, and he, would, he knew this would be his last day of teaching. So for these last three weeks before Easter, I'm just doing the last teachings of Jesus. That's what I'm going through. And so today, I'm, I'm going through John 13, and, 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 and this is what it says. Verse continues, that verse 1. He, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. He loved them till completion. He completed their salvation walk with redemption by the cost of his own life. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress. I love that they eat all the time because I, I do. When something's going, I'm like, you know what? On my last day, we're going to eat an awesome meal and get pe- people together, and we're going to eat Korean barbecue or whatever you're into. But it says, on the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So I'm going to unpack this just for a moment. Jesus knows time is short. He gets his things in order. He gets his people together. He gets his last teachings. He gets his final meal. And then Judas all of a sudden excuses himself from the table, and things are getting real. Just imagine this in your mind's eye. It's getting real. Things are getting heavy. And you can imagine the emotions of Jesus that night. It wasn't very happy, even though he was trying to keep it together. Judas excuses himself. And in the middle of this serious moment, according to the Gospel of Luke, a fight breaks out. And the disciples start to argue. And they're arguing, you know who's going to be the greatest among us? It's me, right? This is ridiculous. They're arguing, I'm better. I'm going to be the best. I bet I'm going to be better than you. And Jesus loves me more. And they're like, you're stupid. You're stupid. It's like normal house. This is what happens in your house with kids, right? Like out of nowhere. But, uh, but are you, you, I'm thinking, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Couldn't you notice the emotions of Jesus? Are you guys that crazy like are you guys that like knuckleheaded and i used to think what a weird moment in the bible to put on the last day before the cross right to write this argument in is crazy what good is it unless that's what happened that's it they're documenting that's what happened right these dudes are knuckleheads right self-centered and they're blind to the moment but i just want to say how human is that how human is that i have seen fights break out at funerals I've done funerals where fights break out, and you're like, uh, we're doing a funeral here. Uh, this is a, you know, your fights are breaking out, or all the one family sits on one side and the other, and they don't even want to talk to each other. And, and, and we've had, like, security at funerals before, right? Because funerals are a weird time. I have been part of a wedding ceremony where the dad, at the last moment, won't walk his daughter down the aisle because she didn't invite the right person, the right people to the wedding. And I was like, are you serious? And she's crying. I'm like, how do I bring this together? <laughs> right? You're, and, and I was like, this dad is, I can't believe someone is that crazy to do something like that. So nonsensical, right? And, 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 but at the end of the day, you want to know who's this knuckleheaded and selfish? We are. We are. Put in the right situations with the wrong people, we will lose our minds. We would. We will do and say terrible things. So let's not puff up thinking, oh, man, look at them. Them is us. Them is us. It's a description of us, right? Listen, church family, some of your fights with your spouse, if other people heard those fights, they'd be like, what in the world? Right? It, it sounds so ridiculous. Isn't that true? Right? And that some of the things you get so mad about are nonsensical to others. They're like, it's jaw-dropping. It's jaw-dropping. 
Don't buy into your own hype. Just listen to me. Don't buy into your own hype. We are so sinfully sinful. We are radically selfish. And we are in absolute need of a Savior. That's how you know we're in absolute need. The best of who you are is still not that good. We are in absolute need of a Savior. Now imagine what Jesus was thinking. Are you kidding me? Father, help me with my patience. I'm about to lose it, man. Yet filled with compassion and love, John 13, 4 to 5 says, He got up from the meal. He took off his outer garments as they're arguing, and he wrapped the towel around his waist, and he was done telling them. He wanted to show them greatness. Verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he wrapped around himself. Jesus saw proud hearts and dirty feet, so he took a towel around his waist and took a posture of a servant, a role of a house slave back then. He got on his knees. Just imagine Jesus, the son of God, right? And and if you know Jewish customs, Jewish men, especially the men in power, they do not get on their knees. This is a no-no in culture, right? In our culture, like, oh, oh, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense to this culture. It doesn't make sense for for a man that distinguished, the teacher, the boss of the whole place, uh, to take off his robe and to put a towel around him and to wash the feet of the students. This does not make sense. This does not make sense, especially in that culture. And so imagine that. That's like the queen of England shining shoes, right? That's like President Donald Trump selling like peanuts, right? Just imagine, it's like insane. That's how far it is. But this is the son of God serving his students, the light of the world, giving his light in service to them. Got on his knees, a humiliating task, and began to wash feet. I don't know about you, but feet are dirty, right? Feet are dirty. They are nasty. Let's be honest. Your feet stink. Your feet stink. I don't care who you are, especially if you wear Toms or don't wear socks or you work construction, right? You don't even want to touch my feet. My feet are so nasty, they will cut you. I'm like, oh, Lord, you did not bless me with beautiful feet, right? That's true. You can, you can ask my wife. You don't want my feet around, right? And it was, I have these, these mutant feet. I'm like, I need a pedicure. I need a pedicure. Someone, someone touch my feet, right? But this is what Jesus was trying to show us. In being so out of order, Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the creator of all things, knelt down and washed feet. And he was answering the question, who is the greatest to God? Who is the greatest to the in view of God? And he says, the servant of all, the least of these. Jesus flips the script. And sometimes we need to flip the script because we think a certain way and God does not think that way. He flips the script, revealing a new way of living, a kingdom-driven life. Your life will look different when you follow Jesus. If your life does not look different when you're following Jesus, you might not be following Man, just being straight, right? Because his life looked different. A way that would change the whole world, and it did. It impacted people. It transformed hearts. And we might think, John, I'm not doing that. That's too much. 
Is it really what Jesus wants me to do is touch feet? No, that's not the purpose of this teaching. Yeah, he's bringing himself low. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. What we're really saying when we say I'm not doing that is we're really saying that's beneath me. Have you ever, you might not have said that out loud, but you're like, you want me to help in the children's? That's beneath me. You don't say it out loud. You're like, you know, I'm not really good with children. Or, or you want me to you want me to sacrifice my time to help you here? Uh, you know, I, I'm busy on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. Oh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. But I'll fit you in, and you, you make up something down the road. You know, you know what I mean? We, can, we don't need to say these words, but we can think them. I'm too busy for that. Let someone else do that. Yet Jesus shows, shows them right in the moment. And shows us today that nothing is beneath his love for us. That he is willing to do whatever it takes for those far from him to experience his love. He will go to the ends of the earth to love you. You are not, and and I, I think someone needs to hear this, you are not too far for Jesus. Your sin is not too big. You can't outrun nor outsin the grace of God. It's too much. It's bigger than that. Now for those who are followers of Jesus, how can we follow Jesus as he, he led? How can we take little steps to align our life with his life? How do we follow in our ordinary lives as a student, as a parent, as a plumber, as a banker, or as a teacher or a nurse? And I'm going to go through how we do this. Step one. Step one. I want you guys to write this down. Put it in your phones if you want. Yeah, or, or get on Facebook and pretend you're writing this in your phone. All right? Step one, ask God. Just ask God. How do I follow in your footsteps? Ask God. I know this is deep, but we just listen. Just listen. Ask God first and not last. Sometimes we ask God last when things are really going out of control, right? Instead of asking him first. Whenever we see a need that we can meet, ask God. God, is this what you have for me to do today? How can I follow you in this? I dare you just to ask God. God, give me eyes to see the needs that I would otherwise overlook today. God, give me ears to hear those who are hurting. Give me a heart to care. And listen to this. God, God, give me a heart to care. And God, who do you want me to serve, text, or call that needs your love and my attention today? Just ask God. Let me get honest. God speaks to me often times when I believe something is beneath me. When I think, oh, I, can't, I, can't, I don't need to do that, God will, like, speak to my heart. I'm like, ugh. There's something about it. There's, like, a conviction in me. I have, I have too much going on, God. I, I think someone else can do it better, even if I don't want to do it, right? It, it's in those times of my pride that I really believe God wants me to stop and meet the need. When I think I'm too good or too big for something, that's when God's like, all right, I, I pick you. I pick you. But God, someone else, I pick you. You're like, all right. And it happens to me at gas stations, right? When, uh, when you're just trying to just get by and go quickly and you see a need. Or it happens to me at a library when I'm focused on writing a sermon. I'm like, oh, God, I'm doing spiritual stuff, right? And he's like, stop and go talk to this person. They're crying. Just say something, right? And they're like, all right. This is, I'm putting myself into their mess. You know what I'm doing right now, right? I'm trying to write about you and you're putting my, putting my you know, I, God speaks to me that way. Or, or a person that's walking through snow and you know they need a ride. And I'm not telling you to do this. I'm saying this is how God speaks to me. I'm like, 
I'll like drive by them the first time and feel super guilty. I'll swing by and pick them up the second time. And I've done that many times, right? Or I see someone at the grocery store and they're buying something and they're barely paying for it. And for you, it would mean nothing. Maybe for you, it would mean something. I think that's even more important. When you sacrifice something. I believe God orchestrates these moments so that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, to serve, to listen, to care for, to provide for, to give to. Just ask God, what can I do for you, for people? How can I do what you would do? It might look as simple as meeting your neighbor. I was, uh, I was doing this, uh, this project of like, trying to write my neighbor's names down, and it was insane how many people I don't know, right? I'm like, oh, awesome. I've been here six years. I don't know anyone. You know, have you ever thought of that? Like, or the people that you were always around, but you know their faces. You're like, hey, what's up, uh, man? Right? What's up, guy? Right? And, oh, uh, that's your son. I, yeah, man. I love your son. He's so, he's so cool. Yeah, that, that, that boy. That, you know? And we make up these things. We don't even know each other's names. And we're around six years, right? And by look as simple as that, introduce yourself to someone new today. Clean up a mess that you see right in front of you. Have you ever walked by a mess when you walk in here? I do this, all right? And the kids, our kids, they spill everything. They spill, some kids spill things three times. And you're like, for real? For real? Some, it's usually my kids. So I'm just like, all right. So, but there's sometimes you'll see something. Just, just take care of it. Just take care of it. Give an encouragement. Some of you, we need to give an encouragement. Some of, some of us, we're like, so I wish someone would give me an encouragement. Why don't you give an encouragement? Why don't we speak up or enter into worship on your worst day? I love what Christina said. I don't even need to go on with that. It was in my points. So I was like, all right, you did it already. On your worst day, won't you worship your best, right? But what are you unwilling to do that you need to do because you're unwilling to do it? I'm going to say that again. What are you unwilling to do that you need to do because you're unwilling to do it? Do that. I think that's how God works us out. In these moments, I believe Jesus is saying, follow me. That's step one. Step two. Step two. Change your level. This is a quick one. Change your level. Jesus knelt down and he took a posture of a servant. He changed his level. I believe posture matters. The way you posture yourself matters. The way you posture yourself towards life Life either serves you or you serve life, right? And, and I'm not saying just let it, all the stresses take over, but how do you look at life? How do you look at people? Are people your pawns that you use to better your life, or are you there to better people? Our posture matters. Our posture matters, especially those who can't give you anything in return. That's how you know you can check your heart. How do you treat people that can't give you anything in return? If you're meeting someone for a business meeting, how do you treat their secretary, right? Do you treat them like you got something to bring or do you treat people equally because you know they're made in the image of God and they need your love today? Or do we treat people good when you know they can bring something back to you? We treat our, our, our boss well, but we treat our workers horribly. I hope that you are the best boss that someone has in their life. I hope, I hope so because we take a posture, we bring something to the table. I hope that's us. Your attitude matters as much as your actions. Let your attitude and actions be like Christ. Change your posture. And number three, wash daily. Wash daily. This is simple, right? 
Now, John, how do we get the right posture and how do we ask the right questions to God? By the word of God. We, we wash daily by the word of God. Symbolically, water represents the word of God. You can find it like in tons of verses in the Bible. It's all over, New Testament, Old Testament. It's everywhere. I'm going to read you one verse, Ephesians 5.26, that Jesus might sanctify the church or her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. See, God's words are not just a bunch of rules, but they are a way to wash our minds and our hearts, renewing our thoughts. It keeps us clean. It's like a daily shower. It is. Just as we take showers to keep ourselves clean, during this time of Jesus, it was an agricultural society. So there's dirt roads everywhere. There's animals everywhere. And when you have a lot of animals, there's a lot of stuff on the ground, right? So they're stepping in that. Just imagine. They're like squish, 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 right? This is normal life in, 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 in an agricultural society, agrarian society, right? And, and, and so washing feet was a daily task, even multiple times a day. See, our world today, it's full of dirt and mess, and it's muddy. It's filling our souls with images of lust, pressures and anxieties, fear of the future, disappointment with our present, and anger from our past. And we need to wash this out by the word of God daily, not weekly. You can't, this is not enough for you. One time a week in the word of God is not enough for you for the washing of your mind and your soul. It's not enough. I'm telling you, if we would just change one habit in our life to just wash ourselves with the word of God, it would change your life. Just, just start by one habit. One habit, one tiny step would change your life. Just wash daily by the word of God. Step one, ask God. Ask God first, not last. Step two, change your level. Posture yourself as a servant. Step three, wash daily by the word of God. If you want to live the life that God has for you and me, a life of purpose, I believe, a life with adventure, a life you were made for, a life that, that speaks uh, like the Bible speaks the life to the full. If we are not living the life to the full the way that, man, where you wake up, and you know that there's purpose and hope in your life, there's a way to live. I'm not saying I'm always hopeful and purposeful, but, but I'm a happy, like, driven person. I live my life just aware, like, thank you, God. I can't believe I'm alive. That's my per perspective of life. And when you can't, when you're so thankful for, like, the sun shining, I, I, my kids are probably sick of it. I'm like, look at the sky. I'm like an old man. Look at that bird. Look at that bird. Uh, look at that sky. I'm, I'm sure Candace is sick of it. Do you look at the shadows in the sky, Candace. She's like, shut up. Look, look at the beautiful trees. Look at, look, that tree has been around 100 years. Think about that. How cool is that? I, I look at everything, and I have a different perspective because God made it, and I can't believe that I get to be a part of it. I cannot believe I can be a part of that. In, in, in the moment of conception, there was 8 million other yous, but God chose to choose you. You won the lottery of life. And I hope that when we look at life, we look at life different, saying, I cannot believe that, God, you let me be a part of the grander story of your story. This is our opportunity to join in with God. Thomas Edison said it this way, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. I love this quote. 
is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Serving is an opportunity. As, as we close today, I just want you to love like Jesus. Love the people for their good. I'm going to say that again. Love people for their good. Because if you don't, it's not love. That's how we use people, and that's how the church got a horrible name. Because we're like, we'll love you as long as you do this. No, no. You belong here before you, you even believe. You belong in this place before you even believe. Because we love for others' benefits. And that's the best kind of love. That's the love that makes you come alive. The other kind of love will destroy your soul. The love where you put, oh, you got to do this and this and this for me. That's the kind of love that does not work. Serving, serving is an opportunity to be like Jesus. Loving people for their good, making our world better by simply engaging in faith and saying, yeah, I do believe what Jesus told us to live like. Let's stand today. Let's stand today. Asking God, changing levels, and washing daily. Three things. Repeat with me. Ask God, change levels, wash daily. I'm going to say that again. Ask God change levels and wash daily serving is what we need because pride will kill us pride kills marriages pride kills individuals pride kills the way we look at life pride will kill us it divides us and it keeps us alone because serving does not only change the recipient it impacts the giver it does and some of us we need to release we need to release our life today. If you want to change your outcome, you got to change your mind about serving. To change your friendships, you serve. To change your purpose, you serve. To change your marriage, you serve. To make a difference, you serve. To glorify Jesus, you serve. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he got on his knees with a towel and he washed feet. Take that image in. On the night he was emotionally destroyed, he says, I'm still, I still want to love you. I still want to serve you. I'm still, I still love you. Nothing can separate you from my love. Not sin, not, not your pride. I will still love you. This Easter, there's people all around us that are far from God. And the way we can serve is we can bring them with us into this place and we will give a clear gospel message about Jesus, and we're going to pray that Jesus changes their lives. Otherwise, it's just words. Unless Jesus gets a grip of their heart, it's just words, right? Invite people. Take a risk. Take a risk. This, this, you got two weeks. Take a risk. Invite people into this place. Love people. Greet people. Join together in loving your city and your community and your neighborhood. Mark 10.45 says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Woo. You can't do following without serving. Christians serve. Now, John, I'm shy. How do I find opportunity to serve? Do what Jesus did. He looked in a room at work, at home, at, at, a, at a gym, on the bus, or at school. He looked for people with dirty feet who needed cleansing from the Word of God, who needed love, who needed grace, who needed Jesus, who needed encouragement. And Jesus takes a lead, and he just says, ask me, I'll show you. When you sh uh, then he said, just ask me. 
Ask me. Ask me. We can do this, guys. Keep it simple. Just see a need, get up, and meet the need. Sometimes it's just that simple. You ask God. Ask him. Change your level instead of seeing from here. Get eye to eye, and then serve and change someone's life. Get your hands dirty. You're in this room, not because someone forced you in here, but someone served you and loved you. I'm standing here because someone was willing to get dirty into my life because my life was a mess. And someone was willing to get down deep and lower their posture and serve me when I did not deserve serving. And in the same way, let's get our eyes from looking down to eye to eye and then get on our knees and serve with all our hearts. Take responsibility for where God has you. You are the pastor. You are the light of the world. You are the love of God. You are the hands and feet of God that they will ever see. They will not meet me, but they meet you. They already know you already. I hope you take one step. You don't need to take a radical step. Just take one tiny step towards God, and you will see God running towards you. You will see him open up opportunities that you need for your life to have purpose. Walk towards him. One step. Then take the next step. Then take the next step. Every Sunday, you, you guys probably don't notice, but every Sunday, I take one little step towards God like this in my worship. And I say, you know what? I'm here taking a step towards you. And you might not see it. And I say this right before I preach too. I say, God, help me because you know I'm crazy. God, but I'm taking one step towards you and I'm going to stand in my gifting and, and where you have me. I'm going to take responsibility for where you have me. And I take a step towards God. I do it physically. You'll see me take one step forward. Because sometimes my, the physical reminds me of what's happening in the spiritual. So tomorrow when you step into your house and your kids are screaming, you're like, oh, you called me right here to pastor these crazy kids. When you're stepping into your classroom, one step. When you're stepping into your, in your workplace, one step. When you're feeling crazy and you don't want to be there, one step. It takes one step, one step at a time. And God will open doors that you cannot open, close doors that you need shut. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, as we take steps, sooner or later, we will see our lives in a whole new place with a whole new light, transformed because we are taking one step. And when we look back into our life, we can't even imagine how far we've come. And in this place today, I pray for our church family, Lord God. I pray for the individuals that you have already spoken to. I, I, I believe you have spoken to individuals with strong words of conviction and encouragement, Lord God. And I pray let us not push that to the side, Lord God, but let that replay in our minds, Lord God, to, oh, to take, ask God, to change our levels and then take one step and wash daily with the word of God. I pray we do that this week, Lord God. Put people on our minds right now. Ask God right now, God, who do I need to pour into this week? God, what steps do I need to take towards you this week? Who do I need to invite towards Easter? Who do I, what neighbor do I need to invite into my life, God? Take one step. Ask these questions. You don't need to do a hundred things. Do one Thing. I believe if all of us would take do one thing, we would start changing our community, our neighborhoods, and our world by taking one step at a time. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord God, 
I pray by faith in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we choose to stretch ourselves and put ourselves in uncomfortable situations for your glory and for the good of others, Lord God. Not for our good. We put ourselves in the way, Lord God, in, in uncomfortable places, Lord God, for your glory and for their good. And I pray that be our prayer. I pray over our congregation. And even today as the service ends, Lord God, let us take time to pour into someone else. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Man, we applaud the word of God. And I pray this week, take one step, one step. God bless you guys.